Ciao tutti. Welcome to today's episode where I have Ray Guarini on and we are going to talk about his mission to make sure that every single little Italian American area in the United States is posted, outreached, any sort of thing that you can think of in Little Italy. Um, that's what his goals are. And I have to say thank you to a previous podcast interviewee, uh, Michelle DiPietro, who got us connected today, and that I can't wait to talk about your mission and what you're trying to do for our community. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Ray, to the listeners. Sure. Thanks, Emma. It's great to be here. Um, so I'm Raymond Guarini, and um, I founded the Italian Enclaves Historical Society uh, three years ago this month. And uh, the mission is to reflect on and to catalog every Italian neighborhood or enclave, if you would, that's existed inside of the United States uh, since the mid 1800s, as well as every Italian national parish and every Italian church. Uh, the distinguishment being that uh, not every Italian church is considered to be an Italian national parish. And what that means is simply the parishes that were formed for the Italian people or constituents of a certain area were designated as Italian national parishes. However, over time, um, as people moved and there was a diaspora, uh, there, was, there were other churches uh, that already existed for other parishioner bases uh, of other nationalities or were just general churches, um, which uh, eventually became Italian churches just by virtue of the fact that there were so many Italian parishioners. Um, so our goal is pretty immense, and um, I didn't just start tabulating or, or uh, uh, chronicling these areas three years ago. I started about, now it's almost 10 years ago, and uh, the process has been fun, and uh, we're still learning about areas that had little Italian enclaves even as of today. Um, so there was such a penetration of Italian immigrants in this country that it's really unfathomable today. I always tell people, well, they're like, oh, so you're from Canton, Ohio. The only thing that we're known for is the Pro Football Hall of Fame or, foot, or American football was established here. You know, us, us Cantonians, we're not even here in Canton when the Football Hall of Fame happens. But then they're like, oh, but there's an Italian community here. Yeah, like strong in Northeast Ohio. And that's something that I think you and I are on the same page about on telling the story of these enclaves. And or the Italian parishes as well, which have their own story to tell. Uh, you talked a little bit on your mission. Um, you know, what has it, what has your work involved on categorizing and uh, labeling each one of these communities? What do you have to do to do this? So that's, that's a great question. Um, in the beginning, I was very naive. Um, I simply thought that maybe a cross-reference on Google would help us find every little Italy. And then, you know, I could go on a, a road trip and, you know, knock it all out in a weekend. And, uh, you know, I was so naive I, I was, but that's how it started. So um, I, it was a road trip to Boston from Brooklyn, where I, uh, where I was from, um, and stopped at a couple of places along the way in Connecticut um, and one in Rhode Island. And so when I started the Facebook page seven years ago, um, what ended up happening was as I was posting photographs that I took along, along the way in my travels, people started to reach out to me 
to notify me or, or bring to light other Italian areas uh, that they may have been from. And so the list started to grow. And from there, um, I figured, you know, there are a lot more places than, you know, one could really even imagine just by going on Google because, uh, you know, Wikipedia was a help. And that's something also that, that uh, uh, the Wikipedia profile grew over time as well. It wasn't as well established seven years ago as you, can, might, as you might imagine. So the research came in the form of uh, cro cross-referencing with people uh, that, you know, I, I'm fortunate that I have a lot of friends that are, that are older than me. Uh, that were able to reminisce on feasts and processions throughout mm -hmm. the country. And though that was a great starting point, and that, that's what connected me to a lot of people in the Midwest and, and, and stuff like that. So um, I, over time, I just did more research on my own. And, um, and then other people started coming into the fold uh, and, and adding, you know, whatever they could share. And um, like I said, even until now, uh, I'm still learning of other places that existed. And, and it's recently gone as far as, you know, purchasing old books, out of print books that were written in the 1940s and 1950s um, about the Italian communities in their respective areas, whether it was Chicago, Detroit, um, uh, Philadelphia. And so we're getting we get real granular. Right. So even if an area was like three blocks long or a small town, five, six hundred people, we're, we're including that. So um, where one might overlook it for the for the sake of like the, uh, you know, kind of like the commercial Little Italy districts, um, we're really getting granular. We're trying to go down into, you know, into the nitty gritty and find all the little areas that may have existed. And, and many of them are gone. You know, just to clarify, there are not a lot of Italian enclaves remaining in America right now. Um, and then the ones that are there are, are neighborhoods that are diverse now. Mm -hmm. So very hard to do the research, especially being that we're going back over 100 years in most cases, 150 years. So throughout the generations, uh, information gets lost. Um, so we're trying our very best to to uh, re you know rekindle it and and you know kind of just brush the dust off and find out where these people lived. The other interesting thing is that um, you know a lot of cities have changed uh, physically, right? The you know. Um, it, highways were built and all sorts of different infrastructure that caused uh, the destruction of former areas that were once there. And so the communities were forced, you know, really displaced, forced to move, and then uh, either migrated to somewhere else and uh, kind of reestablished, or they just dissipated completely, never reestablished. So it's, it's a project. And um, again, it, you know, it's taken a few, quite a few years now to really get a full uh, body of work complete on the subject. And I'd say we're very close to having a full uh, list of places. Now, the, uh, the other aspect of it is, is the harder part, which is fleshing out uh, all the photographs that we can muster up from some of these places. Um, someone mentioned recently to me, it's uh, Mariana Gatto of the uh, Los Angeles Italian American Museum. It's like chasing ghosts. In, oh, yeah. In, in it. So it's uh, the research is hard to accomplish. And uh, so, you know, we're open to anyone who wants to help uh, in any which way, even if it's family photos or or just a little tidbit here and there of something that might turn us on to something, an area, a place, a church that we may not uh, have on our radar. Um, you know what, I'm uh, speak of this for the honor of my own lodge, um, our home church, St. Anthony's Parish, um, it was uh, an Italian 
you know, enclave church in the southeast end of Canton was uh, the huge Italian uh, settlement. So you and I will have to uh, get together with information on that just for the honor of our own lodges, um, you know, patron saint and church uh, and home, uh, you know, platform as well. So side note for, for when we're done with the podcast interview. Sure. Um, you know, for us who are here in the Midwest, we think of Little Italy as like Murray Hill and Cleveland or, um, you know, uh, in Boston area or the traditional Little Italy's in New York. You walk down, you have the statues, you have the food, the restaurant. What does Little Italy mean to your organization? So uh, I don't want to speak for every individual in the organization. Yeah. My my impression of it is uh, a little Italy can be different than an Italian enclave, right? A little Italy in, in uh, the way I envision it is, is a, um, a cluster of businesses may include a church or not um, probably has a feast or two throughout the year at some point. And uh, for the most part, it's a commercial area. It's a place where people come to, to buy either Italian food or wares of any kind. And um, that's really what I envision it to be. It's, a, it's quite, it, you know, uh, it would be years ago, uh, a little Italy would also be a place where you could hear the Italian language being spoken. Mm. So that's something that's changed radically in the last two, three decades as well, at least here in New York. Um, I was in San Francisco a few years ago and you hear Italian being spoken, um, you know, quite a bit there. And, uh, but as an example, I remember going on a walk when I was about 15, 16 in Bensonhurst. Um, You know, we started on 65th and 18th Avenue, 65th Street and 18th Avenue. And we walked all the way along 18th Avenue to Cropsey Avenue, okay? And I'd say altogether, it's about a one and a half, one and three quarter mile walk one way. And you'd be hard pressed to hear English. Uh, This was, you know, dating myself here, you know, over 25 years ago. So, you know, in, in just a matter of two decades, three decades, that's changed. Like everything changes. And, you know, we don't lament the change. We just address it. And so from, from you know, if you took the same walk now, you'd hear multiple language, languages being spoken. Uh, and certainly no Italian. I mean, maybe very little. So um, Little Italy always really was somewhere where you can go and enjoy the culture on multiple levels, whether it was, um, you know, just hearing the language, uh, seeing the food, smelling the aromas of the food, um, and uh, sitting down and just being able to enjoy something that was similar to being in Italy. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Little Italy is, is something where it's like, uh, like I said before, a cluster of businesses where you can buy food or items or goods from Italy. Um, it may not necessarily uh, incorporate speaking Italian or hearing the, the language being spoken, but uh, that's okay. Things change. Um, but that, and now as far as an Italian neighborhood goes, you know, it's not interchangeable with a little Italy because mm-hmm. you have so many in residential neighborhoods that don't have shops. And if they do, they're Italian shops, but they're not in like a cluster with the flag everywhere. And, you know, mm-hmm. the Italian. so to see little Italy's are more like a celebratory uh, uh, sort of place. Uh, where you see the Italian flag here, you know, you have events that celebrate the culture, but they're not necessarily places anymore where people of Italian descent live. 
what is required of each neighborhood to be categorized as an Italian enclave? You've talked and touched a little bit, but if you want to go a little bit more in depth for anyone who's listening or who is passionate about their area that they've grown up in, what can they do to get to, um, to see if they qualify to be considered an enclave? So it's funny, you know, I was, I was on, um, as you mentioned, uh, I think before we started to record, um, I was on the Italian American podcast uh, mm-hmm. recently with um, uh, John Viola and Dolores, who you also mentioned before. Yes. And, um, and by the way, I just want to plug them real quick because they have a really, really phenomenal podcast and um, they're really uh, brilliant people, all of them, John, Pat, Dolores. And, you know, and, I, and I have to say, they're the ones who influence me and to throw this idea at my lodge to do it. Because, you know, there, there are voices to be heard from the Italian-American community all around. And I wanted to pick a particular community of the rediscovery generation, as like I told you prior to us recording, my grandparents, you know, are, are from Italy, and then my mother's first generation, and she's a generation of assimilation. You are in America now, you speak English. Now I come along, my generation, and I want to rediscover what was lost. So, you know, they've influenced uh, far and wide on their work and, and what they've done so far. Oh, absolutely. As, as a matter of fact, you know, I have to give um, a lot of credit to John for the yeah. Italian Historical Society's existence. Um, John invited me um, quite a few years ago uh, to speak on a panel in Washington, D.C. If I hadn't done that, we might not be here. The, the organization may not exist. The catalog itself might not exist. Um, I think that John gave me that bona fide, you know, kind of uh, conf- confidence that, you know, what we're doing makes sense. It's there's a need for it. And, um, you know, the, uh, the viewership itself speaks to that. But uh, it was really a, a formidable uh, experience and it really kind of just set the tone for what we're doing now. So John's been an inspiration to us um, and continues to be as, a, as, a, as an individual myself, as an organization and as a community overall. And he deserves a lot of credit for that. Um, and, and so do so do the rest of the Italian American podcast. But back to your question, as far as what constitutes an enclave, it's simple um, because uh, you have not only um, a geographical boundary, uh, and in towns that are kind of like in the Midwest or or in the in the uh, suburbs, it's a little bit um, a little bit harder to define a geography or geographical boundary because things are spread out more. But um, we try to look for the following things: uh, a church, mm-hmm. uh, if not it's a church specifically for the Italian community then a, um, a, a procession or feast that's celebrated mm-hmm. because you do have some areas where they never had a church, but they still celebrate their, their saints in other churches or mm-hmm. in, in old storefront chapels. Um, and then, you, you know, of course, you want to have the majority, at least, of the people who live in this area uh, of Italian descent. And then lastly, um, multiple Italian businesses, or at least one of the, the most important ones, which would be a bakery, salamidia, uh, you know, uh, or, 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 you know, things like that. So that, that's what we generally use to define an Italian neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Or um, 
And I've touched on this already. You know, I'm part of the rediscovery generation where we're taking uh, this moment in our lives to rediscover what we may have lost through generations, rediscover where our family is from. Uh, I think it's a new American identity. And, you know, part of this generation, we rebirth out of the assimilation generation where, again, like you're an American now, you speak English, you experience, you know, American food. Why is it so important to uphold the Italian American community and its ideals? It's a great question. Um, I think, firstly, it's fair to say that um, every culture should have some uh, representation uh, among its youth uh, that preserves that respective culture. Um, just simply because you need to know where you come from to figure out where you're going. Um, as far as why the Italian preservation of the culture uh, or the preservation of the Italian culture is important. I would say um, on multiple levels. I mean, uh, Italian food is so pervasive, right? I think like every second there's like two slices of pizza eaten in America. Uh, <laughs> so it's, it's become like, you know, the number one fast food. Yeah. Uh, so it's become a part of the fabric of America. And then pizza was brought here from Italy. And then you could go into a debate as to where in Italy it really came from. But anyway, so, so that, that's one example. And then you have the fact that um, uh, I always boil it down to the fact that the, um, the churches and the, and the pastors, uh, missionaries, um, were the core of the communities. They continue to be. Mm -hmm. what, what do you have that goes hand in hand with that? You have a perseverance of value, of values. And the values are what we uh, build. That's the foundation on which we built everything else mm -hmm. in America, in America, our founding fathers and so on. So that correlation is the most important one, in my opinion, because the values that we have as a country, as a people, um, overall as Americans, reflects and mirrors the values that were brought here by the Italian immigrants that were really founded in their religious beliefs. Not all Italians are Catholic. You know, you have Italians that are Protestant, you have Italian mm -hmm. Jews. So ultimately, though, you do have an overlap of values amongst all of the religions. And, and um, that's really, I think, the most important thing that the Italians bring is a family unit, mm -hmm. the respect for your elders. Um, you know, these are things that if we lose are very dangerous for society overall, because, um, you know, to respect one's parents, to respect one's grandparents, to have that love, like, for example, like our friend Rosella has for her grandmother, it's a beautiful oh, thing yeah. to behold. And that is really important, you know, in, in making sure that we can persevere as, as, as a people as we become, as you said earlier, assimilated. Um, so to be able to capture that, that entire spirit of family value, uh, of human respect for one another, you know, that's really where it all boils down to. And I can't tell you how, how amazing my experiences have been in traveling to all the different places that I've been fortunate to go to in the, in the United States, all the different Italian enclaves. There's so, there's, it's, I think it's unparalleled. I mean, maybe other cultures do have it as well. They certainly do. But I don't think to the extent that the Italian culture has, or even the Italian American culture, you have people who are removed from their ancestors in Italy by three generations, but mm -hmm. they still 
that warmth, you know, that uh, they ingratiate you. They want to see you come in, come in, take a look, have something to eat, you know? I, I did, yeah, the first time I went back to uh, my grandmother's village, um, I never went hungry a single day that entire week. Uh, and I, you know, you can't tell an Italian no either. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and eat and I'm like, okay, okay, that's fine. And it's like, because it, it, it's that, those moments that we shared together, uh, that make it all that's yeah. it you know and it's great you know what i love the most i have to say is getting inboxed um you know whether it's instagram or facebook or even emails and uh people are sending me their family photos mm -hmm. and when you open up the photos at least me i i feel like i'm there mm -hmm. because it reminds me of of my own experiences as as a child right and it's just like an amazing thing the people may have different faces but there's like these, these archetypes, right? Like of people, you know, the, uh, the matriarchs, the patriarchs, every family seems to have that. And that structure, that, that respect, that love, that appreciation, you know, everybody might have a different recipe for their sauce. They may even call it great, but in the end, everybody does, has a tradition that they share with their loved ones, that they take part in it. And whether, you know, the aromas, the, the things that make a Sunday, a Sunday, church, you know, the, right. these are things that are really the cornerstones that we're trying to preserve, right? And, and it's, it's out there, right? It's not like, you know, it's fading away and it's dying. We Maybe, have to find it, that's all. Yeah. That's it. it and it moves and it's, it's like a moving target in a way, yeah. but it's good because it still exists. And so what we're trying to really do, our mission isn't necessarily to get into all of the aspects of the Italian American culture. There are way better organizations at that and, and that do that. So we are, you know, not necessarily doing that. What we're really trying to shed light on is that the, the, the culture existed in different places at different periods of time. And we just want to make sure people are aware of what was in place before mm -hmm. the current things that are there. Uh, so, you know, like, like I said before, when neighborhoods were destroyed and, you know, and highways were built through them and stuff like that. It's important to be able to go back and, and look and say, oh, well, you know, these people were here at one time and they dispersed mm -hmm. and took their values with them. And they, they, they went and they had families and, you know, their generations passed these values on. They don't, you don't need a geographical place to have the notion of family or to maintain one or mm -hmm. to maintain, you know, culture. But what's important is to know where it all was created and the foundations of it. And that really helps, I think, a lot of people learn more about themselves. And I know it helped me a lot to learn more about myself and where I come from. And it's really incredible to see the things these people overcame with the lack of technology and in, in, in time periods of great despair in many cases during the Great Depression, the wars, World War I, World War II, even before that, um, and, you know, and, and how, how they took part in, you know, the, the American dream and then creating uh, threading the needle in, in, in the fabric of America, they just really became a part of it. We're talking millions and millions of people in, in dozens and dozens, hundreds of different geographical locations. So, you know, and, and there were other, other cultures too. You had the Irish, you had the Germans and everything oh, else, yeah. and everyone contributed oh, their yeah. own way. But what's really cool is being able to define Italian areas, because I don't think anyone else had the, um, you know, has the charisma of an Italian <laughs> <area>. <laughs> 
Uh, you know, uh, like I told you uh, prior to, my my dad is Irish. My mother is um, is straight off the boat Italian. I'll I'll call it. Uh, you know, the the Italians and the passion that we have, um, it's undying in some circumstances. Uh, you know, the probably the next thing is either the Greeks or uh, the Irish. And I, you know, I've got an Irish temper, and then I married a Greek, so you know, it's all there. However, as he always says, well, Greeks created civilization. I'm like. But, but, but Italians perfected it. <laughs> I, I'm like, hey, you can say that, but you, you know, the Italians are the ones who are like, nope, 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 nope. Let me, let me get you to where you need to be. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, it's been a lot of fun, um, you, you know, and being able to meet all, all these different people who either are 100% Italian or have, you know, different uh, lineages as well. Um, but everyone's really proud to be an Italian. I guess it's like that T-shirt that says, you know, um, uh, I, I think it's something to the effect that like uh, Italians do it better. Or uh -huh. <laughs> to be Italian on, you yeah, know, yeah. you know, so it's like there's a reason for that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a warmth. It's a warmth. It's a really welcoming experience to, uh, you know, to meet an Italian family, to uh, to have a nonna. Um, and, and, uh, you know, a lot of these guys, these, these, uh, Italian men and women, a lot of these people built what they have with their own hands, yeah. including their churches, you know, and I'm sure other cultures have the same story or, or similar, but it's really nice to see some of these things endure mm -hmm. and still exist. So, and, and, you know, one of the things we try to do is, you know, if there are existing structures, because these are just like, you know, for example, like a house of worship, right? A church, mm -hmm. it's consecrated land. It's important. It's blessed and everything. But, and it's a house of worship. It, it's God's home, right? And house. But what's interesting is that after, you know, multiple places throughout the country, Chicago, New York, Brooklyn, wherever, um, you know, the churches now are different uh, for parishioner based, right? And so the church histories fall into like an abyss mm -hmm. in a lot of cases, not all. But it, it depends on the diocese. It depends on on uh, the pastors of the churches, respectively, and so on. But um, these structures, some of them were built by Italian immigrants for their own people so they could have a place to worship. They weren't welcome, perhaps, in, in another place of worship, so they had to build their own. Um, but what's interesting is to go on a website of a church that was built by Italians for Italians and not see anything about that in the parish history mm -hmm. or the church. So part of our work, I guess you can say is to write that wrong, because I think it is wrong that uh, that might be deleted or overlooked, it may not be intentional, you know, but it's certainly important to know like, oh, that structure I drive by every day. Um, you know, it's, I, I may not have gone into it, uh, but you know what, that was actually built by Italian immigrants so that they could have a place to worship, you know, and that, that's an important fact. It, it's part of the story of, um, you know, the generational story. We need to do, um, we need to remember, I'll put it this way, um, the same way that we remember our aunts, our uncles, our grandparents as the gods and goddesses of those who have come before us. Uh, it's knowing where we came from and knowing where we're going, just like what you said in the beginning. Uh, we don't want to lose that because if we lose it, then we don't even, I think it's the root of our own identity that we're not, uh, we don't totally comprehend in the end. Right, exactly. And if you recall, like, you know, in your family, right, a lot of the stories at the dinner table probably discussed events and events just don't happen in open fields. Well, sometimes yeah, they do. Yeah. 
but but you know they relate to a building a structure and and in that structure there were you know like a church again this is why it all goes back in my opinion goes back to the church because you could be baptized have all of your sacraments and you know your final sacrament or your final uh, mass uh, held in in one building right within let's say an 80 year time frame okay and yet um that no longer exists that place has been demolished mm-hmm. and it's way now into the annals of history so it's our job in my opinion to kind of just give these places a forever home right a mm-hmm. place to exist so that people can reflect on them forever and mm-hmm. uh, that's why we use the internet and social media and uh, created a website uh, so that we would have a, a you know a long lasting hopefully a forever lasting place for all this stuff and so, you know, as technology starts to really progress rapidly now, um, it's becoming evident that maybe a .com or a .org isn't really going to be a forever home for information, even if it's mm-hmm. digital. Yeah. So now we need to figure out, well, how do we stay ahead of, of the uh, oncoming change in technology? And that, that was, you know, something we've been discussing recently. And, you know, we're, we're, we don't all agree on it, but for the most part, we think like, you know, getting involved in virtual reality, the metaverse uh, would be a great way to, to transpose the, the, the memories, the data, the information that we've worked hard to accumulate into the new technology so that, again, that fabric continues to evolve and continues to exist. Um, you know, because uh, a website, you know, something could happen to our organization, God forbid. Uh, yeah. We don't have we can't pay our our uh, our uh, domain uh, fees anymore, and then all of that hard work is gone. Uh, a hacker could come in one day. God forbid that doesn't happen. I'm gonna but, knock on wood. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. you know that thing. So we want to make sure that everything we have is staying lockstep with technology. Yeah. So that we can stay in front of everybody in terms of the knowledge, and make it. And as you know, technology becomes a lot more interactive we can make it more interesting to learn about. You know, you touched on that. Um, and I want to, um, I'll flip a couple of my questions around here. Uh, where is your work taking you next? Uh, feel free to touch on, you know, whatever you. you would like. Yeah, because, you know, there are, the sole purpose I created this podcast is that everybody has a smartphone. They can listen to stories. They can listen to people who are out there trying to promote the Italian American culture or to hold on to historical artifacts, et cetera. You have something important that you're putting in place and you know, and going forth with the technology, I think is outstanding. Thank you. So technologically, right? Um, we started, like I mentioned, seven years ago, utilizing Facebook. Mm-hmm. You know, it was all me, a one-man show, taking photos and posting them. And then the the reception was overwhelming. At one point I said, you know. I'm spending so much time and money on this. I don't want to get paid for it, but it's out of pocket, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, after a while, no matter what, traveling becomes burdensome, you know, financially. Mm-hmm. So I figured maybe we'll offset this, start a little shop online, we'll sell things that are, um, you know, pertinent and relevant to the, to the uh, you know, to the whole concept. And the profits from that could, you know, go towards buying plane tickets or bus tickets or whatever and gas so they can go and facilitate, you know, taking more photos and getting more information uh, logged for people to view. 
Um, and it worked and it was working well, but it was something where, you know, business is different. It's a different animal than an educational entity is. And, you know, to have that back and forth was a lot of work. So I figured, you know, I, I was having a conversation with a, a buddy of mine who's now a board member, uh, Mike DeSapio, uh, you know, through our common interest in, in baseball, the Italian American Baseball Foundation, you know, Mike presented the concept of a nonprofit, which I overlooked completely and I never thought of. Um, and then, you know, the rest is history. So we, we formulated Italian enclaves as, as a formal society, which was a nonprofit. So we could raise money from institutions and, and individuals uh, and get grants potentially for this research and for this work. And the reason why is simple. I mean, the, the abundance of stuff out there to accumulate and the amount of places to actually tabulate and go and visit, it's immense. And it's a lifetime worth of stuff. So we figured, all right, we do it in this structure, then it'll be easier to accomplish because now we can, you know, spread our resources a little bit more, incorporate more people into it. And, uh, you know, from there have, have the ability to get this, this work done in a shorter time frame. Because otherwise, we're, you know, we're never going to complete it, um, you know, if we don't have enough resources. So we created the website to stay, you know, kind of like, ahead of uh falling obsolete because you can't put it all in the book right i mean the book if you have it have to be a volume of books nobody oh, really yeah. Reads. oh yeah so due, due to the sheer volume you know and the number of places and and you know the amount of information surrounding that the only logical place was a website and the website is great because it's virtual you, you know we don't need like you know uh, with the the sons and daughters of italy um, you know, and, and all the other Italian organizations that have physical locations, that's a lot of overhead. That's expensive for, for a new organization, um, to have to burden itself that way, it probably mm -hmm. wouldn't work and, uh, it would be done before we started. Whereas with a, a virtual space, um, you know, a virtual exhibit that constantly evolves, uh, it's, it's possible to do on a very limited budget. Mm -hmm. And so, that was our first, you know, uh, I'd say win, right? Our first success okay. was creating the website. Now it's not the best website in the world. And there's tons of information that we have that hasn't yet gone onto it because mm -hmm. we're still in the stages of, of collating all the information and the photographs, but slowly we add more to it. So that's why we decided to use this structure. And now that, um, you know, this has been so successful and widely received and, and, you know, people love it. Um, we realized like the world's changing so fast. All people talk about is the metaverse, NFTs, virtual reality. Yep. How can we augment that with what we're doing, you know, in, in order to deliver an educational experience to people? And how can we leverage the fact that there's capabilities out there now that enable person, a pe a people or a person to go uh, into a virtual scenario to experience things that otherwise wouldn't be possible to experience? without going there physically. And we don't have time machines, so we can't go back into the past physically. There are museums that try to recreate environments that's expensive, mm -hmm. going back to the burden of having a physical place. So VR kind of makes, makes that possible because you can create a virtual space and it's, and it's one and done. Once the application's built, uh, once the place is created, it's there and it's accessible anywhere in the world that has an internet connection. So that is why I want to take us forward, move us forward from not just a website, which we're, we're not done with. And, mm -hmm. you know, we're not 
not going to leave it abandoned and incomplete. We're finishing it. But while while uh, society is changing, while technology is changing rapidly, we really want to hitch ourselves to uh, the opportunity to create a, a, a virtual exhibit online um, where people could put on an Oculus headset, for example, and, uh, and, and really put themselves, immerse themselves in history without just their imaginations and without reading or seeing a, a 2D photograph, a grainy photograph at that at best, at best. So we're giving people potentially an opportunity, granted we could get the grants and the funding for it uh, accordingly, uh, so that people could go back and literally experience what it was like to be in an environment that our ancestors experienced. And that brings us closer, I think, to our roots and, and, and it strengthens our bond with the conceptual and the virtual and things that, you, you know, it's, it's, um, it's abstract. And now we're going from abstract to real in many ways. And so that's our goal. And it may not be realized ever. And uh, or it may not be realized in short order, but we wish to do it. And I think with people like yourself, as we talked about before mm -hmm. we went live and with people like, um, you, you know, other folks that we have discussed and mentioned, you know, having that ambition as well, you know, we could all work together to get it done. For the rediscovery generation and for those who are trying to rediscover what is lost, our grandparents, our great-grandparents, or those first-generation people that came here to America may no longer be here with us. We don't have their first-hand stories to see, well, I came through Ellis Island and I stayed in, you know, uh, the Little Italy neighborhood in Manhattan before I came to such and such place. We we aren't able sometimes to get to New York, get to Boston, get to some of these places, or, you know, if you're here in, in Canton, Ohio, sometimes you don't have the means to go up to Cleveland to experience it, you know, a bit of a neighborhood. Those, this type of moment, everybody has an, some sort of electronic device that they can tap into and that they can be re-admerged into these moments in history that, you know, I think this is something that I, I hope you are able to move mountains with this because- Thank you, Emma. Yeah, for, for, gener for us who are trying to rediscover what we're, what's out there, you know, this is something that is a great tool. And even for those who can't afford or don't have the means to go places, this is something that has tremendous potential. I, I really appreciate that. And you, you summed it up and narrowed it down better than I could because that's exactly that that's exactly the intention yeah uh, so you know the only thing that's holding us back is is um, I would say execution and okay. execution happens uh, in a mul multiple ways and so one by one we're looking to uh, you know to, to knock the barriers out of our way and get it done what does it mean to be Italian American to you I ask everybody this. That's that's a great question, uh, philosophical, I'm sure. But I, I mm -hmm. got to I've got to say it's more tactile. It's it's more it's it's more sense oriented mm -hmm. than I say it is any sort of like uh, the, you know conceptual discussion. It's it's being able to experience uh, culture and tradition um, firsthand, firsthand. And what I mean by that is. It's hard to be Italian American without experiencing Italian American things. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to cause, you know, create a word soup here, but <laughs> what, 
what I think it really is, is, you know, if you haven't gone to one yet, you should go to a procession, a saint procession. If you haven't come to the St. Rocco procession, um, you know, you definitely need to come to that because that, that is probably the most authentic amongst many others, but, you know, up in Boston, they have them in Montclair, New Jersey, St. Sebastian. There are a lot of very authentic saint processions that take place throughout this country in different former Italian enclaves. That's number one. Um, so to experience uh, the, the traditions, I think, is what it means to be Italian-American. Uh, to live it, to indulge in the food um, in a traditional way. And, and that could mean the way you do it in Ohio, which might be different than the way we do it in New York, which might be different than the way people do it in Chicago and California. Um, but to me, that's what it means. It means to experience a way of life in utilizing multiple senses to really live it. That's what it means to me. What recommendation can you give for those who are part of the rediscovery generation or for those who are trying to re-assimilate themselves within the Italian-American community? Read. 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 Pick up books. Um, see what you can do. We're, we're in the process of creating a bibliography. Mm -hmm. uh, for our website that people can use as a, as a guideline. I know there's a lot of PDF, uh, of, you know, online PDFs that you could download of books. I would start with just read. Um, read about the experience from the 1800s um, all the way throughout present day, because the more you read, just in general, the more you're gonna know, and the more knowledge you'll, you'll be able to, uh, to, to, assume, uh, to assume for yourself. And then get out and go. Uh, visit places, you know, kick the tires, go uh, if it's possible. I mean, you know, some people it's harder to do than others. It's just, you know, it's a luxury. It really is. But if you can go to your, your nearest Italian enclave and you can use our website uh, as, as a way to map it out for yourself to experience it. Um, and, and if you can do your very best to speak to um, uh, your elders and learn from them. Uh, there are people who have chronicled uh, interviews with um, older Italian-Americans about their experiences. There's quite a few uh, that we know of, and you can just uh, find those resources on um, different uh, online and uh, even YouTube. That's a great place to start. Uh, and, and I'd say use our resource on social media. I mean, follow us on Italian Enclaves. Uh, social media on, on Facebook and, and Instagram. We have a lot of videos there and some are interviews and some are, are, are re-publishing uh, of older work that's been done um, by others. And uh, a, lot of it's, a lot of it's my own, but I would definitely just do my very best to connect in that way um, because it's, it's going to lead the foundation towards a physical experience, which is the most important because that's really how you're going to get it. Uh, by being around these people, you know, if you have the luxury of a lodge, um, like, like your own, uh, or, or, you know, a social club or a cafe where you might have some of the older folks in the area gathering, talk about, uh, just whatever, and ask them some questions. Here's, you know, at, they're very, most of the time people are willing to tell you stories. That's the best way. 
that's the best. Um, go to an, a, a procession. Um, these are the best ways to experience it because it's not going to last forever. Nothing does. So the best way to reconnect with the past is by capturing what's left of it in the present. Well said, well said. Um, and I'm going to reiterate that. Just uh, restate where they can find you on Facebook or Instagram so that they, uh, so that the listeners can, you know, get in touch, use your website as well. Um, or even, you know, hey, uh, I think I have an enclave. What can I do to help you out? As well? <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't be shocked um, yeah. if, if we learn of a, of a couple, um, a couple of new ones because they just pop up. Um, our social media is Italian Enclave spelled E-N-C-L-A-V-E-S. That's Facebook. Um, and then on, on Instagram, it's the same thing, Italian Enclaves uh, on Instagram. And we have the website and that's really, you know, that's, that's the core product that we're trying to develop. And that's uh, www.italianenclaves.org. Um, and, and you know, we encourage everybody who has a story, a photograph, a video. Videos are great because that's really now, now just by the way, the algorithms on, on all the social media are very friendly to videos. Mm-hmm. And so to just these two-dimensional photographs. So if people have family videos that, you know, may incorporate a lot of visual aspects of the Italian-American culture, we're, we're welcome to receive them. You know, I'm going to put out my thank you to Michelle Di Pietro of uh, Manja with Michelle for getting us connected. Um, Thanks, Michelle. I, honestly, Michelle, she uh, she's outstanding in her own right as well in what she's doing and and you know shaking uh, you know the cookbook world and you know making cooking you know interesting and redeveloping different recipes. Uh, you know, I'm going to reach out to Italian American podcast as well for our influence here. Because uh, you know there is, we have something in common uh, across the country and what we're trying to do. And thank you again as well for your hard work, Ray. Because you know without passionate people like you or myself or anybody else within the community, you know these things will be lost with time. Well, Emma, thank you for having me. And, and you know your passion is contagious as well. Now, let me say this: if if anyone out there is listening. No matter what it is, whether it's regarding, you know, Italian neighborhoods or whatever, don't let anyone discourage you. Just do it. If you feel like you have a good idea or it's something that the world could use, um, just follow your passion, you know, because the rest of it's very easy from there. Uh, As long as you're passionate, that'll always be the fuel to keep you going. Um, A lot of people are unfortunately in our lives can try to help us by discouraging us to do things that they think aren't in our best interest. Or they may like chasing ghosts, but in, in in reality, I mean, if it's really something you're passionate about, we'd love you to join us as well. Um, we're always looking for people to help us to research, um, you know, to incorporate more visuals um, and, and content creation. So, um, but but always pursue your passion and, and don't give up and work really 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 hard because good things happen to people who work really 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 hard. Indeed, indeed. Well stated. So I will end it for here. So as I always do, I do a little uh, send off here. Ciao for now, everybody. Stay tuned for the next episode. Uh, You know, be patient as well, because, uh, you know, uh, we all get caught up in our daily lives. So until next time, ciao for now, everyone.